everybody. It's lovely to see everyone back after holidays and great to have all our students back. Yay, missed you guys. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I really hope that what I bring today is going to be a real encouragement to everybody. Um, we, we felt as a leadership team these first three Sundays back we're going to be Vision Sundays, just reminding ourselves again what we're about as a, a church family. So last week Ant spoke about being planted, uh, rooted in Christ, really having an understanding of, of the freedom that we have in Jesus. So if you missed that one, really encourage you to have a listen. And then this morning, I'd like to speak the second part of our vision, which is planted in family. So in many ways, we're not saying anything new. Uh, just because it's a new year doesn't mean we have to come up with new fashion and new fad. We are just faithfully continuing with the mandate that God gave us to do. But what we really want to do is remind ourselves again. And uh, so often through the Old Testament, the Lord reminds the Israelites when they're on their journey to the promised land of the good things that he speaks over their lives. And we have to re go back sometimes and keep ourselves focused on where God is taking us. I don't know about you, but I started this year feeling absolutely exhausted. It's not a good way to start a new decade and a new year. Did anyone else feel like that, or was it just me? I thought, okay, Christmas is here. I'm going to have a good rest, get ready, charged, take on 2020. Well, I got to the end of Christmas, and I thought, I feel even more tired. <laughs> I feel exhausted. Uh, and it's really out of that place that I, I had to really search and ask God to come and replenish me and refresh me um, and also understand something, again, afresh of something I know to be true but need to implement in my life. And uh, so I want to share a little bit this morning out of a devotional that I was reading by Paul David Tripp, who writes for the Gospel Coalition. And I'm going to just read a little excerpt to you, and uh, maybe you will uh, identify with this. I don't know how much you've thought about this, but faith isn't natural for you and me. Doubt is natural. Fear is natural. Living on the basis of your collected experience is natural. Pushing the current catalogue of personal what-ifs through your mind before you go to sleep or when you wake up in the morning, that's natural. Living based on the thinking of your brain and your physical senses, that is natural. Envying the life of someone else and wondering why it isn't your life is natural. Wishing you were more sovereign over people, situations, and locations than you will ever be is natural. Manipulating your way into personal control so you can guarantee that you will get what you think you need is natural. Looking horizontally for peace that you will only ever find vertically is natural. Giving way to despondency, discouragement, depression, or despair is natural. Numbing yourself with busyness, material things, media, food, or some other substance is natural. So, 
in grace, God wants us to believe. As Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, faith really is a gift from God. There is no more counterintuitive function to the average sin-damaged human being than faith in God. We put our faith in lots of things, but in a God we cannot see or hear, who makes promises that seem so grand that they seem impossible to keep, we find that really, really hard. But you know what? God is the one who, first of all, gave us power to believe. And how much more will he not continue to give us faith for our daily lives? It's by his grace that he works in the situations, locations, and relationships of everyday lives to craft, hammer, bend, and mold us into people who build life based on radical belief that he really does exist, and he rewards those who seek him. Does anyone identify with that? It's so natural for us to fall into those ways of being, because that is human nature. But God calls us to live in another dimension. And as we start this new year, I believe, as I, I prophesied in November last year, God is doing a new thing in our midst. And one of those things is calling us to a greater reliance on his Holy Spirit, to see the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst, to change lives, to bring joy, healing, restoration, commissioning. I believe God's going to commission some of you this year into areas of calling that you've not experienced before. We are not just called to live in the natural, but to be supernatural through the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing I feel God is stirring in me for this morning. So I thought, what better story to look at than Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 43. I know we, we are studying the gospel of Mark, so I'm jumping ahead, and I'm sure whoever does that passage will do it more justice. But the context of this passage is that there are three significant events that happen before the story that we all know very well. And the first is that Jesus has been preaching in his hometown of Nazareth, Nazareth, and uh, he's, the people that he grew up with that knew him so well, they basically labeled him a fraud and said, you're, you, you're so full of yourself, who do you think you are to proclaim yourself to be the Messiah? And it says that Jesus couldn't perform any miracles in his hometown. So I think he was experiencing quite a bruising and a rejection from people he grew up with. And then Jesus sends out his disciples two by two on a mission to go and pray for the sick, cast out demons, preach the good news of the kingdom. A bit like we sent the team out to Cambodia. Jesus sent them out. And then we hear this tragic story. That's John the Baptist, Jesus' beloved cousin, is brutally beheaded by King Herod in just a, a very cold, unkind um, demonstration of power. So the last few months have been quite hectic. If that was your kind of few months that you'd just gone through, you've been rejected by your hometown, you've commissioned someone, some guys on a mission trip, and then you're suffering from grief, um, because your cousin got killed. Um, so you can just get the sense of that's where the story takes place. 
And so we read in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. How many of you love to hear Jesus say that? Come. Come, let's go rest. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by, yourself, by themselves. How many of you dream of a remote island, tropical island? You can just go there. Let's see those hands. And you just want, no one's going to bug you. No one's going to disturb you. You can just rest and be refreshed. So that's the kind of, Jesus was feeling emotionally depleted, possibly being through the rejection and the grief that he was in. And at the same time, he must have been feeling so encouraged when he saw his disciples come back full of faith with all their stories of how God used them. But he could also see that they were probably quite spent after ministering and being on the road for days. I remember the, the Sunday morning when the Cambodian team came back. And I remember, Clive, you came straight from the airport. And uh, you even gave a bit of a feedback, which I thought was pretty amazing. Um, but I think you were tired, weren't you? <laughs> and, the, and the rest of the guys, I saw you were really exhausted after that trip. Um, so Jesus exhorts them and he says, come, let's go to a quiet place where we're not going to be disturbed, where we can be rested emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And then we read, it goes on, it says, now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Now, my version of the gospel would go like this. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and his heart sank. He muttered to himself that he had no time to himself these days, and he needed to put in boundaries with the constant overwhelming demands of the crowds who were always looking for his attention. How many of you relate to that version? <laughs> but no, Jesus' response to this another level of demand when he's already tired, he's already grieving, it's not a natural response. Instead of being irritated and resentful, he had compassion on them. He saw through the inconvenience and intrusion to the heart of these people who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to minister to them by teaching them of God's heart and ways and God's love. And the disciples really must have been amazed because they knew Jesus must have told them what had happened. They were amazed at his graciousness and his stamina to teach them for an, a whole day without any break. And then we read in verse 35, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples step in at this point. Reasonableness had to prevail. Come on, Jesus. You've done well here, 
but let's call it a day. We're tired, the people are tired, we're in the middle of nowhere, and everyone is hungry. We think it's fair for them to go and sort themselves out with food in the villages, and we can get on with going somewhere quiet to rest. Doesn't that sound reasonable? But he answered them, you give them something to eat. How annoying is that? How absolutely annoying. Come on, Jesus. Be reasonable. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? They were being sarcastic, by the way. Are you serious? Even if we managed to find all that food, it would cost a whole year's wages, which you know we don't even have the means to afford. Jesus, be rational. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Now, this story is told in the other Gospels as well. And we know in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 9, it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many? Out of all the thousands, there's one small boy who obviously had a mother who thought ahead, gave him a packed lunch, and possibly an extra tunic, and if it got cold, plus a, some pack of handkerchiefs just in case. He was well stocked, not anyone else. Meager resources for feeding 5,000 hungry men, plus all their wives and kids. The disciples must have rolled their eyes. They already were at the end, and now Jesus was asking the impossible of them. This was a ludicrous expectation. But we read, Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Nice that there was green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Jesus responds with absolute calm and clear thinking strategy. He's not disordered or panicky, terse or irritable. He just gives simple instructions and performs an astounding, miraculous demonstration of his power by multiplying the simple food to feed the whole multitude. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? I love that story. You see, when demands go beyond our natural resources and our limitations and our capacity to cope, Jesus calls us to step into another realm. He calls us to step into the supernatural power of his Holy Spirit, who is at work inside of us. And sometimes he places us in contexts where we are stretched beyond our human ability or personal inclination or even our preferences. 
So next time we face the unexpected, a moment of difficulty we really don't want to go through, remember that such a moment doesn't picture a God who's forgotten us, but one who's really near to you and me and is doing a very good thing in us by his spirit. He is rescuing us from thinking that we can do this life on our own with our own limited resources, our natural wisdom, experience and righteousness and strength. And he's transforming us into people who live lives shape our radical God-centered faith. Don't despair. God is teaching us to listen to the voice of his spirit and to walk in step with him. So you might think, well, what has that got to do with planted in family? Well, I think it's a very important precursor to what I want to say. And uh, I want to say, when I look across at all of your lovely faces, I think what a precious community we have here at Forest Town. What a, an amazing a group of friends that have become like family to one another, to care for each other and to love each other. And we really do want this church to be a safe community where people can be themselves, can grow in their understanding of God's love and calling on their lives so we can go out and be light and life to others. Now, I'm sure you do know, but this is again a little reminder um, of how we came about the name Forest Town. I just want to remind us, because it's a miraculous, supernatural reason why God gave us this name, Forest Town Church. And it comes from, uh, if we can go to that slide, thanks, Elise. So it comes from Isaiah 49, verse 19 to 25. When Ant and I were still in South Africa, before we even started this church in our front room with our two baby boys and some friends, God said this is what he was going to do in this church. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. God promised that this church community would be something that he would establish supernaturally by his spirit and it would bring him great glory because people would only be able to say that this is a work of God, not any human hands. Would you agree? Something so precious here, there's something so beautiful in this community, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. So God said to us he would put different trees, people from all cultures, backgrounds, generations, personalities, spiritual journeys into one community. Trees that should not naturally grow together will begin to thrive. A forest that should not grow in a dry, arid place would thrive in a world where people are rejecting God and his ways that they may know and see, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. Now, if any of you know kind of church, uh, uh, church 
research on church stats for growth, church growth, they will say the best way to grow a church is to make it as homogenous as possible. Get people who are all the same as each other, and that's your, you're sure to see the church grow. Well, God had something else in mind that goes against the, the church stats. Because I think it's a very interesting thing because I think people say that you should be homogenous because when everyone is the same, it's so much easier to understand each other and get along. You have the same sense of humor, the same cultural reference points, the same cultural values. But then again, you have the same prejudices, the same blind spots, and the same comfort zones. Um, Ant and I did a really interesting little exercise last night, and we thought, let's just see how many nationalities and cultures we have in our forest town. So I, I put together this graph. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Nearly 40% of our church is English. 30% is South African. And another 30% are made up of 26 different nationalities. Who's Scottish? I miss Scotland. When are you Scottish? I never knew. Right, 27. Okay. I want you in your kilt next week, Win. Right. And the French. Sorry, Ramond. Uh, yes, the French. So actually now we're moving up to 28. So have I missed anyone else? Is anyone else offended? Oh, Namibia, of course, Namibia, yes. Anyone else? Okay, well, how, how's that? So, so many wonderful cultures from every continent of the world. Um, I, I just feel so excited by God's wonderful work that he's doing and the diversity of what he's bringing into this church. Um, so we've arrived here at 20 years, 2020, we've been going since 2000, and we really do want to celebrate the diversity of people that God's brought together into one family to build a really unique community that is defying the growth experts. Isn't that wonderful? Should we just give God a cheer? I feel so excited. Yeah. You know, every culture brings wonderful qualities and ways of sharing life that adds to the beauty of what God is doing. That's why I really love our bring and share lunches, because that's a time where we can taste everyone's food. You know, if you want to get to love someone else's culture, eat their food. Um, that's the way you can really get to know someone. So when we have our next bring and share lunch, if you don't normally stay, why don't you stay? And we can eat together around the table as family and share and celebrate in that diversity. Uh, and it also means uh, that for those of us where there's more of our culture, <laughs> there may be that we've got to also step out of our comfort zones to reach to people who might be just one of them in their culture. And that can be quite, we had a, not to embarrass Marius and Gina, they are our only Romanian couple, yeah. 
for, for them. But that's been quite a cultural shift for them to come from Romania to, to the UK. Um, but there's other people here that have, maybe they're the only ones from their nationality. And we want to we champion everyone and say, let's celebrate every culture. And maybe you might find by inviting someone to your home and just find out your life is enriched through getting to know someone different and what God has called us all to together. So I say to, to do this, to build community in such a diverse way, really is a work of the Holy Spirit. And we really need the Holy Spirit in us to be able to enjoy, to overcome any barriers, to push past our comfort zones so that we can be a people who are not living out in a natural way, but in a supernatural way as we build family. And so I want to just end off by looking at our values and just reminding ourselves of these. So I'm just going to keep an eye on the time. But uh, maybe you've done our grounded course. This is what we speak about in our grounded course. So I'm not saying anything new, but I do feel like it's really good for ourselves to be reminded about these things. We've been very intentional about church culture. We really want these things to be things that we honor. Um, but I, I also want to say that things will only ever remain values in name until they, they only become culture when they become a behavior and we begin to embrace them and we begin to live them. And that's not just the leaders. It's not just the home group leaders. It's not just um, the, the Sunday school teachers. That's every single one of us saying, this is a value I want to ask God to speak and to build in my life because that's what becomes the culture of the church. We want this to be a church which has a culture of grace and honor. Um, so I'm going to go through these just very briefly. I'm not going to take long. And I want to ask you, as I'm going through them, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, which of these values are you kind of like impressing on me? It's just going to glow in your mind like, wee, wee, wee. That's the thing that God wants you to really say this year, Lord. Won't you root that more deeply in me? And uh, we'll, we'll chat a bit about that later. So the first one is unity. And as you know, in the book of Psalms, it says, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. We've, we're seeing the evidence of that. And I'm sure we've all been in situations where there isn't unity and the, the way it grinds and it just is not nice. So we want to work hard to keep unity, to preserve that precious thing that God has done. And it comes when we choose to be, leave the best of each other, when we choose to speak well of one another, especially when that person isn't around, uh, that they can know that we are always looking out for each other's reputations. Uh, unity comes when we can talk about our differences without accusing each other, that we can be mature about that. We don't have to all be the same. We can, we can have differences, but we can process that together. And then forgiveness. Uh, if you're married, how many of you had to practice forgiveness? Yes, a lot. See those hands going up? And if you're not married, also lots as well. I'm not trying to say only if you're married. But forgiveness is something that has to become lifestyle to us. And I always say about uh, when we first got married, uh, the guy who's leading the church that we were part of, he said, you've got 30 seconds to forgive. 
So we said, okay. So whenever we offended each other, it was like, okay, I forgive you. Okay, I forgive you. So we tried to keep a short account. I mean, there is wisdom in actually just taking a sober assessment of how you've hurt someone and not just go, oh, I forgive you, and it's dealt with. But the idea was that we don't hold on to grudges. We don't let the atmosphere in our homes change so that it becomes all moody and sulky because I'm just going to let you know how much you hurt me. And we can do that in the church. We don't, we don't, that's not the culture we're building. We want to forgive, we want to move on, and we want to speak about the things and rather clear the air. And Jesus taught us to forgive in the same way that he has forgiven us so generously, so undeservingly. He is so kind to us. And then servant-heartedness. Uh, Jesus turned things upside down. He was the greatest. He is the greatest. And it says when he came, he took a slave's apron and he washed his disciples' feet. We want to be people that it's not too much trouble to serve one another and to help one another wherever we see a need. Uh, we want to be those in our relationships who are looking out for others and, and just saying, ah, oh, I see a need there. I'll, I'll step in and, and just sort that out. And I do want to say, when I say these things, I really do see these things lived out um, here. I see a, such a wonderful servant-hearted community. And then the next one is authenticity. Uh, we all need to be real, don't we? Uh, we don't, it, it just doesn't work living life with a mask and pretending to be something that you're not. We all need some relationships in our lives somewhere where we can just be ourselves and tell people, I'm really struggling or I really need help with this. And uh, I, um, Siobhan gave us this lovely book. It's a, the Charles Mac Maxey book. And there's the picture of a horse with the little boy. And uh, the, the little boy says to the horse, he says, um, have you... Have you ever asked anyone for something? And the horse says, yes. And the boy says, what was it? Help. Sometimes we just need to ask for help. That's being really authentic. And that's okay. And we need to have those relationships in church community where we can say, I need help. I want you to come and walk with me. Um, and that's why I love life groups being part of family because that's a place where you can have that depth of relationship to ask for help. Uh, it also means who you are in public is who you are in private. And I really hope that uh, Ant and I are the same and our leaders and whoever else, that we're all the same here as we are in private. If you came into our house, you wouldn't go, oh, there's a little weird thing going on here. We are who we, who you see is what you get. Um, and the last three, honor and respect. Honor is something that you choose to give someone because you see their worth before God. It's about cherishing someone else's reputation as if it's your own. And honor is a way of saying, I appreciate you. So we, that's why we always want to say thank you. And I, I'm just going to honor those two at the back there talking there, Elise and uh, uh, Brian. I do know you, Brian. <laughs> but thank you for doing sitting at the back there and just being able to facilitate this meeting. We want to say thanks to the teams who do all the AV and the sound. 
Um, generosity. Uh, just think about your life. Think how generous God has been to you. And I just love, wasn't that the story of the Cambodia houses? That's a value being lived out. Um, it's so wonderful. And we're so excited about our, our own building project that we're going to be launching um, and, and letting everyone know about. Uh, but there is a sense in which, uh, and felt God say to him, be generous to the poor and I'll be generous to you. And that's really, we want to be out, those that are being generous wherever God shows us so we can see um, God use our gifts and talents for his kingdom. And then the last one is courage. I don't know what courage looks like for you. It's different for everyone. For some of you, courage might be getting out of bed in the morning because you just feel so downcast. For some of you, courage might be picking up a phone to say hello to someone that you've been alienated from. Maybe courage for you is, uh, I don't know, going to tell your friend at work uh, that Jesus loves them and could you pray for them. It, it's so many different things for all of us. But God says, he says, be strong and courageous for I am with you. And so we want to celebrate and champion every step of courage. Nothing, everything um, involves risk sometimes when you want to break open and see something new. But God says he meets us there. When we step out in faith, he comes and meets us in our place of, of trusting him. So we all agree that these are good things to aim at, to be a family, but do we all agree that we're all hopeless at all these things? In our natural strength, we aren't going to do any of this. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is him transforming our behavior, helping us to, to live in a way that relies on his Holy Spirit. So just take a moment. Which, which one of those is something God spoke to you this morning? Just tell the person next to you quickly. I think God said, I'm going to focus on, I don't know, authenticity. Or Just quickly tell, one, one minute, tell someone which, which one you feel. I mean, it could be all of them, but let's just go for one. So think back to our story of the, the two loaves, I mean, the two fish and five loaves. Not much to, to feed a multitude. But here is the promise this morning for 2020. When we bring the little that we have, when we bring what is just natural to us and we see what is more that is demanded beyond what we can do, that's where the supernatural begins. And I want to invite you this morning to say, Lord, I want to live a supernatural life. And you know what happens with the supernatural life? You don't have to try hard. You don't have to exert yourself and go, I'm going to be supernatural. No, you just invite the Holy Spirit. And he just changes your perspective. He adjusts your mindset. He gives you love that you never felt before. He gives you a new level of faith that you thought, wow, I don't have that in myself. It's a work of the Spirit. You started in the Spirit now let's continue this year to cherish this beautiful family, invest in our relationships by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good?
Great. So I think what would be really good is if we could um, break bread together. Yay. Um, um, so we're going to uh, break bread together. Um, uh, because I think, first of all, that's a wonderful way of acknowledging our need of, of uh, the Lord, that he is able to meet everything that we need. So maybe when you pray now, when you take communion this morning, say, Lord Jesus, help me. I need your spirit. I need more of you. And then on a second level, maybe you want to pray with someone that's from a different nationality to you. There's one who's Scottish, so if you don't have, if you never prayed with a Scotsman before, you can go find one. But find someone who's from a different culture and pray with them and just see, maybe you might meet someone new this morning. Okay, so, um, and you, can you pray for us and then you can lead it. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for all that you've said this morning, so many things. Thank you that you've encouraged us through the worship, through what we've sung through your prophetic uh, encouragement and through the preaching, Lord, we want to live in a supernatural way. Help us. And I just pray, Lord, in the simplicity of what we do now as we break bread, that you would minister deeply to us. And we want to thank you. We want to thank you for the many different people that you have brought to be part of this church community. We want to bless you, Lord, for every single person, every single nationality represented you are doing a wonderful new thing with us. God, help us to see that. Help us to celebrate that. Help us to want to be a part of that by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we simply come and we acknowledge our need of you, our need of grace for our own lives, day by day, moment by moment. And we pray, Lord, that as we break bread, that we thank you that we have forgiveness of sin, that you wash us whiter than snow, that we can put our past behind us and embrace our future because of your grace lavished on our lives and so we want to say thank you lord for each other but thank you most of all for the cross and for what you won for us on the cross in jesus name we pray amen let's break bread together there's a table here in the front two tables and one at the back and uh, i want to encourage you to take helen's challenge go and pray with someone that you don't know that you've never met before and to pray with them and ask god to bless them this year in an amazing way. Thank you.